2: Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work, shopify.com slash work.
1: Hi everyone, welcome to the 30th episode of Concussion Chat. My name is Taya. Concussion Chat is a podcast for the the McGill students for the Concussion Legacy Foundation with the help of Nick from Concussion Pod Podcast. We're dedicated to providing strength and hope to those who are so- to those recovering from concussions through sharing experiences to a recording of Ashley. Man, I can't talk. Um, in April of 2018, Ashley was on vacation in Mexico for a girl's surfing trip. On the second wave of the second day, she bailed when her board struck her in the head underwater. She didn't know what happened at the time, uh, just that she wasn't feeling right and needed to get out of the waves. She had no idea she had a concussion until her plane landed and she was a completely different person. Looking back with what she knows now about concussions today, the signs were all there. Since then, she's been climbing the uphill roller coaster battle of post-concussion syndrome, sharing her story to create awareness and help others so they don't have to navigate PCS in the dark like she did.
0: Hi, everybody. My name is Ashley. Um, Nice to meet you all. Thank you so much for being here. I'm a little nervous, (laughs) I'll be honest. Um, I never actually thought I'd be sharing my story until, like, to this depth until I was actually fully recovered. So, when they asked me to be here and share my story, I kind of got scared a little bit because I didn't realize, I didn't think that this should be a thing at the time and place. But then afterwards, I realized that it's the perfect time because I am recovering and I'm, I have my Instagram and I try to inspire hope. And so now I'm here sharing my story. <laughs> so about 37 months ago, just over three years ago, I was on a girl surfing trip in Mexico. My surfboard ended up hitting me in the left hand side of my head, but I didn't know that at the time. Um, where we were surfing is that we had to take a boat out so we were literally in the middle of the ocean nowhere to go no shoreline um, very deep (laughs) so uh, when people ask me if I hit the bottom of the ocean or anything like that really it didn't apply to me so on my second wave of the second day I fell off my board and actually you could see it in the pictures you could see the waves the wave i was supposed to get and a wave that was coming and that wave came for me (laughs) pushed me off my board i only remember the tug of my leash on my ankle so i just remember a really strong pull on my ankle and i can still feel that to this very day it's i don't know if it's like a cognitive behavioral thing or something, but I just, I always feel that. I remember being out of breath. I, I didn't know what was going on. I was very disoriented. Um, I was struggling really hard to get back onto my board. And I knew something wasn't right, but at the same time, the waves were coming and I needed to get out of them and I couldn't. So I was really, really lucky that day that there was another, um, surf school in the water and the instructor from that one saw me and he came over and he helped me get on my board. He was kind of like my surf dad, (laughs) I call him. Um, he was like yelling at me and like trying like yelling at me in a good way to get back onto my board, told me when to paddle, told me when a wave was coming to get off my board because when a wave's coming you have to take your board you have to get off you have to take it put it over your head so the wave goes over the board and doesn't fly that board away so there was a lot of energy and adrenaline in that moment and (laughs) it's a lot of it is still blurry to me but he got me out um and he took me towards my boat which was good and I sat on my board and I remember being like what just happened? <laughs> I have no idea what just happened. I just m- remember I couldn't, I felt I could not go back out and surf. And so I told my girlfriend at the time who was surfing, I said, you go, I'm going to go sit on the boat. And I'm, I just don't feel right. So I'm just going to sit here and you surf the rest of the day. Cause we paid for them to be there for the entire day. So I'm like, you go get our money's worth. Um, so when we got back to shore, We were walking back to the condo, didn't really think anything of it. I just didn't, I just felt funny. Um, then we got into them into our condo that we were staying at and it was an elevator with a mirror, which most elevators have the mirror. And I remember looking in the mirror and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm like, do I have a black eye? And there was a black eye and like swelling forming on the left-hand side of my temple. And at the time, None of us ever mentioned the C word. We never said concussion. Nothing. We're just like, oh, that's a cool war wound. Like, <laughs> like we just thought it was something cool, and then we proceeded to drink margaritas and enjoy our day. <clears throat> so, going back, I probably wouldn't have drank margaritas to hide all those symptoms. But you were on Mexico and vacation. <laughs> um, the next day, I remember not feeling right. I just felt really funny and i just i didn't really have any visual symptoms besides the swelling on my head i just remember not feeling i'm like i'm not going to surf today so my friend without me and then we just carried on for the rest of our vacation for two days later i never went back to surf a wave um on my last day i did try i did get in the boat i did go out there and I sat on my board and that's all I did because it's just you get that gut feeling that something's not right so later that day we went to the airport we got onto um, the plane and I went onto the plane one person and I landed a completely different person and that scares me not knowing what I like knowing what I know now but I remember getting off the plane, I don't remember the flight. My friend told me that I um, complained that I my head was hurting. She gave me a pill out of her purse. My boyfriend said that I was the meanest person <laughs> when I landed, I was just, my personality just totally flipped. Um, it was very blurry, like to me, I, I don't remember being mean, I don't remember having a headache. I just remember waking up that next day and feeling that my head was just full of pressure. And I just thought it was the plane ride. And where I work is that I have to take another plane to get to. So I was supposed to fly that day and I was not ready. I just, I honestly thought it was the plane ride. I thought it was a hangover. I didn't really know. So the next day I got onto the plane to go to work. And on that plane ride, I could barely walk off the plane. My legs just did not want to work. I felt just awful. I remember getting to my camp room and I called my boyfriend and I said, something's not right. Like something like I, I, I could hardly walk. I'm like, I'm scared. He told me to go to the med center on site, which they immediately sent me to a hospital an hour away. So I had, they put me in a taxi I went to that hospital. I got a a CT scan right there. They just wanted to make sure that I had no bleeding in my brain, which I didn't. So yay, (laughs) that was good. Um, Then they sent me home with, I remember they sent me home with this little purple pill and it was supposed to help with my nausea. They said I had a concussion. Um, I took that pill because they said I, I was nauseated and it tastes like grape, so it was delicious. And then they sent me back on another plane ride home and told me to go to a dark room and rest. And we all know that dark room and resting is not the way to go. And I really hope that no one gets that diagnosis or that constructive feedback to do that to this day, but they still do. And that is why, yeah, see you do too. (laughs) So that is why I, what i do that's why i share my story as i really hope that people do not begin their recovery like i did and i wish i could go back and i can change it but i can't so when i got back home i i did do what they told me to do i rested sat in a dark room and i did that for about a week and then i went to a doctor here because i was still not better And what he did was give me a whole bunch of prescription medications. And at that time, I thought that was normal. That was what I should do. So I took them, not knowing that that was step one of what not to do (laughs) for myself. I'm Not saying that's not what everyone should do, because if you're in pain, you should take whatever you need to do. But I shouldn't have done what I did. And you'll find out later why. So he told me to go back home, take these drugs. I did, they were pretty hard drugs. I did that for another two weeks and I I went back to him and I'm like, I'm still, I'm feeling worse. I'm not feeling better. And sitting at home in a dark room is not helping. And what he did was give me more drugs to add on to that plan and referred me to a neurologist, which I could not get into until three months later because I got my injury end of April, and I couldn't get into my neurologist until August. Um, Two months later, I was still feeling terrible, and I had a whole bunch of paperwork, as we all know that we need to do if we are off work, and I had pages and pages of insurance paperwork that I needed to do, and I needed my doctor to help me with that. So I went back to my doctor with all of this paperwork. I booked a whole chunk of time with him. I booked two appointments so that he could do it. And I also wanted to discuss my medications. And when I was in that room with him, he started yelling at me and got very angry with me that I had all this paperwork and that I questioned his decision to give me all of those meds. And I honestly never had a situation like that before. I remember leaving that office in tears. My mom was actually with me and I never really, I don't like showing my feelings. And I remember sitting in the car and I just started bawling. (laughs) The nurses outside of the room, um, they apologized to me and they just felt terrible. And so immediately what we did, my mom actually called my doctor I had before that. She got my file transferred. We got everything taken care of. And that doctor was out of my life and out of (laughs) my recovery journey. Thank gosh. And so this new doctor that I went to, she looked at my medications and she realized that I shouldn't have been on all of those medications, especially there was a couple of them I should not be taking together. So my gut feeling was right. um, and I shouldn't have been taking a lot of those things and it really screwed me up in the beginning. I, that week later, I went to my neurologist, which was like, this is my hope. This is like the be all end all. This is guy's going to tell me what's wrong with me and he's going to fix me. And basically all he did was test my reflexes on my knees, made sure that I could um, I think I stood up and sat down and then he told me that in three weeks at the end of August, that I would be fine and back to work and there's nothing wrong with me and to not worry. And I was sitting there being like, do you not see me? <laughs> do you not see this? Like, do you know, I, I could barely walk in here and you're telling me that I'm fine and you're, you're not even doing like a exam on me. You're basically, doing what a normal doctor does and does that thing on the knee where, you know, you're, then your knee pops out. I'm like, anybody's knee would do that. <laughs> I'm like, I'm a little bit different here. And I left that one crying too. So it was hard to see hope at the end of that. And I didn't know what to do. So I've seen many specialists since then. <laughs> and that first one they thought, cause I had, chronic fatigue. So I could hardly move, I could hardly walk. So I got referred to a rheumatologist first, which I walked in they're like, you don't need to be here. This is not what you have. And I found that with a lot of the things that they referred me to is that I'd go in, the specialist would be like, I don't know why you're here. Like, it's a very post-concussion syndrome is so confusing. And it's so Unknown to a lot of doctors and specialists. Maybe it's different out there, out in the world, not that I'm seeing, like with people commenting on Instagram and people that I'm finding. So I feel not alone in that aspect, but I was unfortunate enough to find a lot of those specialists myself that could not help me. And at the same time, I'm fighting with insurance, telling them that something's wrong. I can't go back to work and they they made my life worse than it should have been and I know that's the case for a lot of people and when PCS is already lonely and frustrating and you're just full of being defensive because you're you know inside something's wrong but it's so invisible that you can't really show people unless like You're trying to like walk somewhere and can't like that's the only thing that they could really see. They don't see the headaches, the head pressure, your dizziness. Like even from standing up, I would get so dizzy or walking to like my kitchen, like, which was like literally a five feet thing. I, I would almost feel like falling over and I would almost black out. Like it was just insane. Some other symptoms I had were trouble sleeping i could hardly sleep um sensitivity to light sensitivity to sound i remember being in um in a bar once and i remember every i could hear absolutely everything in that bar there was tons of people i could hear people walking on the floor i could hear the cashiers over in the corner, like pressing all of the buttons. I could hear the cooks in the kitchen, like playing with their utensils. I could even hear a conversation between two people in the very farthest corner from me. I could hear their conversation, like clear as day. Like I felt like a super spy, (laughs) like it was almost like a superpower, but like immediately after all of those things resonate, then all of a sudden it's like brain flood, gotta leave. you get irritable. Like it was, it was a, it was a not a good superpower to have, <laughs> but I just rem- I remember that clear as day. I remember exactly where I was sitting, the exact bar I was at. And it was just the weirdest, weirdest feeling. Um, I also suffer with heart rate spikes um, where I'm, I could literally just be sitting here and all of a sudden my heart rate would just go. And I really, it took me probably a good three years. So even to this day where I finally understand it a little bit more, just, I've never, I've never really had a panic attack or an anxiety attack before until I had to deal with my concussion and this journey. I remember the first one I had, I was sitting on my couch and my heart rate just started going and I, I didn't know why. And I ended up calling my friend because I've called the closest friend (laughs) that I knew that she was just five minutes away, that if something did happen, she would be the fastest person to get to me. Like it was, and I open, I live in a condo. So I opened my patio door. I made sure that (laughs) if anything happened, I could crawl out there and yell at somebody. Like it was just, all of these things you should not be dealing with on top of PCS and thinking about, because that's just, we, we deal with so much internally that you don't know what to do with it. Um, so my nervous system I found was always in constant fight and flight. I was never in rest and digest. And what we know now is that when you're in constant fight and flight is that you can't heal. And my body was so broken. It took me seven months before I saw an actual specialist to for the physical part of my body. And what I found was that the surfboard, when it hit me, it pushed everything over. So my neck got turned, my ribs got turned, like everything in my upper body got pushed and stuck. And unfortunately, all those drugs that I was taking from my doctor covered all of that up. And I really didn't know. I knew I was sore. I knew like blood wasn't flowing properly. I knew just those small little things, but I didn't realize that my neck I had an issue with, and I had whiplash at the same time. It makes a lot of sense now. (laughs) I just didn't know. And so Seven months later, after my concussion, I went to an athletic therapist and he got me to lie on the, on his table and he showed me, and I have a picture of where my head was in line with my right foot. Like who wouldn't know that? (laughs) I did not know that. Like it was just so messed up. And he was the actual one to show me, like he gave me a thorough exam and showed me how everything was stuck where it should be, where mine was. I worked with him for about three months, but my body was not ready to do all of that stuff because I've waited so long to go see someone. So every time I had a session with him, I would do a session for about an hour. and He couldn't do very much in an appointment with me at the time because of my I couldn't handle it. So it would just be really small exercises that I would do and I could barely walk out of there. And I remember being at home and after every appointment, I would be out flat for like five days. Like I could not move. I could not do anything. I couldn't talk to anybody. Like it was was just so foreign to me at that time how I went from working out an hour every day constantly like I was in like such good physical shape at the time of my concussion and all of a sudden I couldn't even walk up three three stairs not three flights just three stairs my friend even came like I have a pond in front of my house and there was like three benches all around the pond I could not walk around my pond and I had to sit on every bench and I was like the the slowest walker ever like it was insane I didn't know what to do like I couldn't socialize with people I was very lonely I I had no idea what was wrong with me and every person I saw they had no idea how to fix me especially my two doctors that I have up here I've seen an audiologist I went to Nuka. I fixed my neck that way. Um, I saw an exercise specialist, kinesiologist. I saw a concussion team, which they said that I didn't have a concussion. And they said that it was just on bad meds, which I was really upset at that time because there was a neuropsychologist. There was a physical therapist, a neurologist all in one room. They did like a three hour exam on me. And mind you, it was a year later, but still like to tell me that I had, I didn't have a concussion just killed the inside for me. I didn't know how to keep going and fighting for myself when, if I was fighting for something that they were telling me was wrong the whole time. Um, Which was good about that appointment, which I look at now as a, as a light is, that was the cue to signal my doctor to get me off all of my medications, which I did. And it took me about six months and it was the most trying time of my life to do because of how hard those meds were. But I'm to this day now, I do not take a Tylenol. I don't take an Advil. Like I am severely scarred <laughs> from all what I had to go through and the withdrawal phase. And it was just a terrible time. Um, back to all the specialists I've seen, I've seen an acupuncturist massage therapist, I did IMS needling in my neck and my jaw. I went to vision therapy because I was so dizzy. Like I couldn't drive. I couldn't concentrate. I couldn't do anything visually with my eyes. And when I had my test done, I can't remember what grade she said, but it was a very low grade that she said I was reading at. I think she said it was like a grade two, but I'd have to refer to my notes for that one to make sure that that's, it was just really bad. It was, I was reading, reading at like a grade two level, which is not good because like I'm 36. So <laughs> I should be reading at a very much higher level. I saw a neuropsychologist which he was the only person that he didn't write in his report that I had a concussion or that he supported me. He just wrote in the report that he saw me struggle and he saw how hard I tried on all the exams that he gave me because with him, I worked with two eight hour days, which was insane. And I tried so hard to prove to myself that I could do all of these math calculations and answer all of his questions. And I I really went into that appointment doing it for me. And he saw that, and I'm thankful for that because he's the only person that got me approved for my insurance company, which a year and a half later of fighting, it took him and his report to get me approved, which I honestly believe that that whole fight increased my recovery time, and made it a lot worse than it should have been. And I'm still in recovery. So I'm still recovering from that as well. I will share with you what did happen that put me on the path to recovery and gave me a plan was I went to brain camp. So in January of 2020, before COVID happened, thank goodness, I was researching on the internet about doctors and functional medicine. And I remember going, I, I'm part of a group counseling here. And I remember going to a group session with a whole bunch of other PCS survivors. And it was like the worst day. I don't know if it was January, because where I'm from, it's super winter, super dark, super cold. So it's a very, one of the months is a blue month, but January to me is always like a blue month. And I remember that meeting was so terrible. Like it was just, everyone was so defeated and everyone was so sad. Everyone was crying. And I was like, this cannot be me. Like this cannot be my life. And it, I just had this fire inside of me and I remember going home and this doctor um, said that he would um, see me and that he had an appointment and it was going to cost a lot of money. And I remember thinking to myself that I'm worth it and I need to invest in this because nothing here in the last two years has been helping me. And so I went to California and I met with a doctor for a day. And I, I remember going in there and being like, first of all, I remember him opening the door. I'm like, Oh, he's real. Okay. That's step one. Like I'm not being scammed. (laughs) He said he could help me. He goes, he's been through post-concussion syndrome. And I just remember the sense of relief. And he spent five hours with me that day. And I've never had anyone in my whole recovery spend five hours with me, let alone be actually interested in everything about what I've done and how I'm feeling, all of my symptoms. I have never had anyone pay that much attention to the actual situation and be understanding about it. I saw improvements in that very first day after two years of being a zombie, basically is what I call myself at that time and i just i remember leaving that appointment and i was like my 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 boyfriend was with me and he's like how did it go and i'm like i don't know what just happened because i didn't want to tell him that i saw improvements and i didn't i didn't want it to go away because like i feel that if i tell anybody even to this day like if i do something good and it's a win i am so scared to tell anybody because i know with pcs that i could do something today and tomorrow it's gone. So <laughs> I keep a lot of those things to myself and I'm hoping one day that will change. And after a couple weeks, if something sticks, then I keep telling people that, or then I will tell somebody, but I keep a lot of it to myself. I worked with this doctor um, all the way up until this current time. And I feel so much better I've been through so many, um, I've just been through so much with him and I'm so thankful that he worked with me. I do, I did brain exercises at home. He put me on an eating plan. He gave me supplements, um, according to, um, testing that I did. Like I'm a huge believer now of functional medicine only for the fact of how it's gotten my life back. And I'm super thankful for that and ask me anytime. I am happy to share my experience of what I did exactly in brain camp, what diets I was on, what supplements i on. You're more than well, I'm more than happy to share that with you, but functional medicine got my life back. I left California with no head pressure on one side, which, for two years, it just felt like I had a headband on my head all the time. I couldn't wear a ponytail. I can only begin to wear a ponytail in the last couple months where I could actually go for a walk with a pony in. It's just that head pressure, headache. Like, it, it triggers something. It's kind of crazy. And it gives you that dizziness. And I just, I'm so thankful that that's stuck. It hasn't come back. And I really, really hope that people these days look a little bit more into functional medicine because it did help me. Um, Modern medicine has failed me quite a bit, but I can't really comment because I do appreciate modern medicine as well. But Brain Camp, California, and my functional neurologist there was what got my life back. So. I'm very thankful and grateful for that. Well, that's my story. Thank you so much for listening. Today, I have Emily, who is also
1: part of Miguel Students for the Concussion Legacy Foundation, Nick from Concussion Talk Podcast, and his co host, Aaron, who is also the coordinator for the Newfoundland and Labrador Brain Injury Association, joining. Hey. Hello. How's it going? I'd like to actually share. and since I've started following her Instagram, um, and she, yeah, I just feel really like, I liked her share. I liked her. It was really good.
3: Um, yeah. it was very good. I, I really liked how she like opened it with talking about how, <laughs> when we reached out to her, how she was like, oh, I, I can't share because I'm not recovered. Um, and then realizing that it's the perfect time to share because it is like, I think that is the perfect time to share is when you're still in recovery, it's easy to get away from it, you know, once you get better and kind of try and put it behind you. But, um, it's nice to know that you're not going through it alone. Right. And that you can still get up and spread hope. Like it, even when you're going through that, you can still be helpful. Yeah. That's that was I, cool that she prefaced that,
1: that and I think that even like the people that go to the meetings, they would rather hear from someone who's doing a lot better and still working on their recovery than someone that's like, I'm completely recovered, I'm totally fine, which like I mean, I don't think we have anyone that's said that. Um, but it just kind of like the person sharing is also still in the same headspace sure. where like they can still understand where these people are coming from and stuff too. Um, it feels more relatable. I
2: agree.
3: And uh, Emily, you were saying you, you served on the Aaron wasn't here for that part of it. So Aaron, have you served?
2: Have I served? Yeah. No, but I was thinking back to like how we were talking about a few podcasts ago about like how like your story of getting a concussion can be really boring. And I was yeah. and I was like, that's so cool. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah.
1: Emily so
3: yeah, I surfed a little bit growing up. It was like the thing to do growing oh, okay. up at the beach, right? Like yeah. everyone everyone went out and surfed. I got a surfboard for a birthday, but no, my my younger sister definitely uh more of the surfer than I was Uh, but I think I
1: see her just being so good at it
3: she's such a badass but she really is (laughs) she'll be like she's like yep we saw some sharks today and I was like what she's like we just bring our feet and our hands up on the boards and wait for them to pass so you don't look (laughs) like a food (laughs) Okay. okay
1: Uh, I'd love to
2: try it, but like I never thought of it as an activity where you could potentially get a concussion, but like literally can happen anywhere. It's like only goes to show. Yeah. Yeah. I I
3: actually got really scared. Uh, I stopped after my concussion, Mm. which, you know, initially like made sense, right? Because that's a lot of coordination that has to happen. (laughs) But uh, one of the things that really stopped me was this whole like when you're learning, even when you're not learning, but when you're learning, you do it more. It's like you paddle. You think you got a board and all of a sudden the nose of your board (laughs) just goes into the water and you're like flipped, like you just like literally flip with the whole board. And uh, when you're learning, you're not necessarily like very deep. So you might hit the, like just literally hit the ground underneath you or, um, yeah, yeah, like when you wipe out and you like kind of come up with your hands in front of your face just in case your board is like literally coming right for your face, (laughs) like um, it can be a little... (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: probably a good idea that you stopped <laughs>
3: <laughs> but I think it's so cool that like her and her girlfriends were like out in the ocean ocean surfing yeah. um yeah really yeah
2: yeah no, that was wild I was just like wow like she was out there like doing it and like I probably I thought too like Well, she was out, and she said, too, like, after, like, the hit and everything, like, they went out for drinks, they were just living their life, like, on vacation. I was like, I would do the exact same thing. Like, I would not be thinking about, like, a concussion. I'd be like, all right, like, vacation time, let's go. And then she got on a plane, which is probably even worse, because, like, you're doing the atmospheric, like, pressure. Oh, and then I was like, that definitely all just, like, added on to it. And, like, it makes so much sense why, like, it took her so long to even, like, accept the fact, because, like her head getting hit was probably the last thing she even like thought about yeah yeah I think um go on
1: Tay. um and I mean like it's not like she had an option to like not get on the plane like she had to go home and then she said like the next day she also had to get on a plane to go to work and Mm -hmm. and like she was able to postpone that by like a day or something but um but when she was there like they were just like yeah like you're not you're not okay and and obviously those things probably had a, a big impact
3: on everything too. What were you going to say, Emily? Um, I was going to say, you know, sometimes like when I go back, I listen to the stories. I was listening to it this morning while I was making breakfast. And um, there are just certain – sometimes people say things and I kind of laugh. And it's not like I'm laughing at them, but I'm like, oh, man, classic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but she's talking about how, like – she got off the plane and her boyfriend was like, you're the meanest person ever. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, that was like, I hear that sometimes from um, like, I heard stories of myself, like specifically the year after my concussion. And like, I was just like, literally like very outwardly, like mean, mm-hmm. like, um, like I threw some, a binder at a teacher and stuff like that. Um <laughs> <laughs> which I was like a goody two-shoes in high school right <laughs> but um it just kind of made me it made me giggle um and I think that's part of this whole like oh you know what I'm not alone sometimes we can laugh at some of it but um also how intense that must be must have been for like her boyfriend and her friends to experience and see right hmm my god
1: especially her friend because her friend was with her when she's one person her friends with her on the plane the entire time gets off the plane with her and so her friend would have like like just full on um yeah that would have been insane for her friend actually
2: yeah Um, and like thinking about like her friend too in that position like they're in a different country they don't know what's going on it's not like her friend could be like oh well you have to go to the hospital here it's like do you even have health insurance like you don't know that kind of thing like it yeah. makes sense that they would just kind of be pushing it along and kind of like shove it like oh no you're fine like we'll just get home kind of thing yeah, yeah which i
1: feel like someone would kind of deal in that situation because it like, is like you are in another country you got hit in the head you're probably not thinking like you know like oh i have a depression um, mm-hmm. and even if you were, you probably are still thinking, well, I'm in a foreign country, so I don't know what to do kind of thing. And they were yeah. going home in a couple days. Um, so, I mean, yeah, I think all of that, I probably would have done the same thing, you know, like yep. it's a concussion. Oh, they would probably would just tell you you're fine anyways. So <laughs> what else was there for them to do, you know?
3: Yeah. You know, um, I agree with all that switching subjects, though. When she was talking about how the neurologist yelled at her, man, that almost broke me down today.
1: Oh, no, that was just, like, like her doctor.
3: Oh, her like, doctor.
1: Wow. I mean,
3: that, and then she said the nurses were saying sorry, and I was, like,
1: right? Right? Ah. Um, but, ah. And he had her on all these, like, drugs, like, so many of them, and like all she wanted was for him to like sign a couple papers and like he lost his shit. Like shit, sorry. Um, and I'm like, at least her and her mom got her moved to a different doctor. But yeah. I can't imagine. And then yeah. she finds out that like the drugs that she was on, you're not even supposed to take a bunch of them together.
3: Yeah, and she's talking about it It had, like, numbed up so much that she didn't realize, and this is just <laughs> so insane to me, is that her head was in line with her right foot. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Like,
0: um,
3: I think, I mean, I think it's am- amazing that, she, I, you know, just three years out, she's able to, like, talk about this, and I, I mean, that... It sounds like it's not an easy journey there.
2: No, so many of the things she spoke on too, like the fact of like dealing with doctors, dealing with medications that you shouldn't really actually be on at all and not having the knowledge or the expertise to go back and be like, no, not this. And then also dealing with all the paperwork she was talking about, like she had to be off work, insurance companies, like all of that are like so many things I hear from clients. And like people say, they're just like, this was the worst part. Like I would take the concussion symptoms over having to deal with like this crap like you know. up. yeah
1: <laughs> the fact that that's how people feel like when you have a concussion you cannot do all of these things like that's not and that's only going to make everything worse like and for someone to say i would rather the symptoms like shit, that's like serious like yeah they're yeah they're not messing around that's how bad it is and um and I mean, just, like, on that, too, like, she was talking about, like, when she saw the neuropsychologist and how, like, he actually, like, what he wrote in, like, his report was what got her, like, approved after, like, a year and a half of fighting with insurance because, like, he wrote that, like, he saw that she was trying, he saw how hard she was working and that, like, she really was doing everything she could, like, she... Like she was putting everything into it, and so to have, so to at least have like the neuropsychologist like recognize all that probably felt um, really validating and um, helpful for her. Before. Aside from the terms
3: I'm glad he. I, I'm glad he wrote that. Yeah. Uh, How did you guys find her, to ask her, How did you guys find her to ask her? Like what? Like find like discovered to actually to talk to such group.
1: Well, Only would have just um,
3: here on Instagram. Yeah, I will. Um, I'm always, I'll do like search like hashtag concussion recovery. Oh, <laughs> just yeah. sit there and like scroll through people when I'm at work and then send a bunch of people a message and then they so, respond right. and you know, it's Instagram. Um, but you know, if anyone's listening to this and wants to share, please send me your email.
1: Um, yes, email us, please. Always need more speakers. ConcussionMTL at gmail.com. Yeah. Email us. <laughs> yeah. Um,
3: I think it'd be really cool to get some, like, younger people in, too. Um, we're trying to, like, I was trying to find, I was trying to mix up the diversity a bit. Um, so,
1: older and younger.
3: Yeah, you're right. I want yeah. some
1: older people too. Okay, because the, they're not. Good. The it's gonna be hard to find that, them on Instagram. You can find them on Facebook. True. Um, but like the older people that we have had and do have in like the support group, they're always super cool, and like the best. Like love them. Um, not that I don't like other people, you know, <laughs> but um, uh. Something else that people, um, asked her about, like, during our discussion was about, like, her brain camp, um, where she met with her. Um, so aside from what she said in the recording, um, she talked about, like, what happened at brain camp, brain camp, so, like, I guess originally it was one day, it was, like, a VIP day, um, that's why she had him for the entire day, which is super cool. Um, so it was a whole bunch of testing, eye exercises, oxygen therapy, laser therapy, like cold and red light laser therapy, red lamp laser thing on her stomach, um, a bagel stimulator, walking test. She said she just did a bunch of weird thing, uh, of weird things, sorry, um, but uh She said it was lots of, like, voodoo (laughs) neurology (laughs) things that don't make any sense but worked. Um, And she just talked about, like, how it's so tailored to what he was finding in her tests while she was there. Um, And then she was telling us about some of the, the, like, at-home PT that she does. Uh, So she has, like, bone-conducting headphones. Um, She has, like, one of the... uh, stimulators for, like, the um, vagus nerve, Um, and then she talked a little bit about her supplements, but, yeah, something else she, or someone else mentioned also that in California, there's a a surfer who now um, helps people that deal with PCS. It's called, like, strength and pain, Um, and uh, I think it's Doc Doctor it Doc or maybe someone else. Yeah. But um, yeah, she was talking about a, a bunch of uh, cool, cool things in our discussion afterwards. But um, everyone should definitely check out her Instagram. It's like Sizzle and Pop or
3: something. I was just trying sizzle. to find it right now. Um, but I'll put it in the description of her of the talk. Ready? It's. Sizzle, S I Z Z L E dot N dot pop, P O P. Sizzle and pop. <laughs> I love and that. Anna, that's S I Z Z L E. Um, What'd you say? But, but so, yeah, I, I
1: really
3: then, enjoyed it. You said Z Z? Well, E
1: N pop. I don't know. Sorry. I I really enjoyed um, Ashley's share and just like her like energy. was just great. Um, it was really nice having her. Um, so thanks, Nick. for Oh, my God. I really can't talk today, guys. This is absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Um, so thanks, Nick, for helping us do the podcast. Thanks again, Ashley, for joining us and sharing your story with the support group. Um, and we'll have another new podcast hosted Monday morning. Our upcoming podcasts can be found on concussiontalk.com, Spotify, YouTube, and Apple Podcasts. You can find more information about our group on concussionmtl.com. Our free peer to peer support group is open to everyone, and we hold four weekly meetings on Zoom. Uh, as mentioned before, we're always looking for your Thursday morning speakers. We also will be starting our second book for book club in a few weeks if you want to join that as well. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Headcheck Health bridges gaps in concussion care through simple, powerful technology. Join organizations like the Canadian Football League, Trek Factory Racing, the Canadian Junior Hockey League, Eastern Washington University, and Volleyball Canada who rely on Headcheck to improve communication and optimize care. Visit headcheckhealth.com for more. The music at the beginning of this podcast is by Ben Sound. W